0: She's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dobek, and she's a dietitian.
1: Hi, I'm Hannah Skyler, and together we are the, the doctor, doctor dietitian Dietician collab.
0: collab. Hey, we're getting good at that. We are. Hello, hello, everyone. Today, we're talking about the F word, fat. Ooh, gosh. Oh gosh! I'll tell you gosh. one thing. When if I ever heard my kids utter the word fat, I'd almost seriously rather the other F word. I would. Is that weird?
1: Well, it is because I think it just shows how much we've stigmatized
0: that word. Yeah, and like technically it's a very neutral word, I know you know, but if I heard my kids calling someone fat I or or anyone for that me, matter using that word, it it makes me feel just um, oh, I just hate it. oh I, I hate everything about it. I, I I remember one time I had a patient come in and I, I always say, you know, why are you here? And she had a drawing that her child drew. And it had their family. And they were all like little stick figures. And then she was this big one. And she says, here's you. And like, well, why am I look like this thing over here? Like this big, big circle, this big blob almost. And and they said, well, because you're fat. And I was just, oh, my God. It was just like the most heartbreaking, the picture and her saying it and the look on her face. Like I just, something simple like that is not simple. It's something that can just crush your soul. And yeah. I hate it.
1: Well, again, I think, though, that that shows us that you know, we have taken it as this such a negative thing. And of course, we want to deal with the the physical issues and health issues that come with obesity, which is really what, you know, the clinical term for it. And I think there are some people who have reclaimed the word fat as they they identify themselves as that and say, Mm. like, I'm taking it on. It's not a bad, it's not a negative thing. And I think, too, in the innocence of kids, she wasn't, I doubt she was meaning, like, oh, mommy, you're fat. Like, ew, that's bad. She just means you have a different body. And so I drew it that way.
0: Yes. And, and even Evan, the other day, he, my son, he was drawing me and he's like, here, Mama gee, you got a big butt. I did not have a big butt for the record. And I was just like, oh, but you're right. It's so, it's innocence. They're yeah. naive. They don't even understand that you are now crying upstairs because like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like they're just, just they're so honest. No, they don't really know. They really don't know. Yeah.
1: And then the other thing about fat is it's a nutrient.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get back on track here. Yeah. I was going down <laughs> on the whole um, fats negative stigma yeah. and all of that. So, yes, our dietitian here is going to teach us a lot about fats and when it should be avoided, when actually it's very it – can be healthy and should be – is a very necessary part of the diet. So, it's – Tell me more. What is a macronutrient? Again, let's just get back yeah. to the, the nerdy basics here about always all I always love of a it. nerd moment. Oh, so yes.
1: um, fat is one of our three macronutrients. And so if you ever hear somebody talking about their macros, that's what they're talking about is their three macronutrients, which is protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And basically when we say a macronutrient is one, it's necessary in the diet. And two, it provides calories, and it's needed at a larger quantity versus our micronutrients, which is, like, vitamins, minerals, and then you may include, like, fiber and water in the micronutrients as well. So you need those, you need them in smaller quantities, and they don't provide the calories. Mm. Um, The only other thing that does provide calories but is not a macronutrient would be alcohol. You do not need that to survive, but it does provide calories. So... So those are our macros, so protein, carbs, and fat. And the interesting thing, or one of the things about fat, and I think where it, you know, fat has gone in and out of out of favor over the years. Yeah. You know, we look back to the 90s was all low-fat diets. Now we're low-carb. Um, and, you know, then we even have on the extreme end of things a high-fat diet like the keto. Um So fat is interesting because per gram of fat, which is how we measure our food, is in grams, right? Um, Per gram of fat, you get nine calories per gram Mm. versus carbs and protein each provide four calories per gram. So you're getting a higher calorically dense option when you have fat in the diet.
0: But it's necessary in the diet. You know – when it comes to fat, and you're talking about the '90s, all the rage, the turning point from these balanced macro-type diets to this low-fat craze, I truly think that that was what was responsible for the hugest spike of the obesity epidemic. Was that because in order to remove fat, like if you do fat-free salad dressing to make it taste not like cardboard, you got to put sugar into it. Right. You
1: have to incre- You have to still have calories and and like volume to your diet. So yeah, when you, when you take that out, you know, it's gonna, you need to increase that somewhere. So, and again, calorie wise, you can eat more carbs to get the same amount of calories as you would fat. So satiety wise, you know, you can feed that or protein, either one. Um, and like you said, fat is flavor. Mm. Ultimately, Mm. like fat free things don't taste as good. And that's just reality. Um, And it's probably some primal reason of we need fat and so we're going to – it's going to be desirable just like why sugar tastes good to us because it's, you know, provides energy. Um, So I think that, you know, fat is flavor. And a lot of that too, like those diets come from the heart – American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association. And it was what they knew at the time. And there definitely are still instances where a low-fat diet is indicated. You know, Mm -hmm. you think somebody with fatty liver – uh, we're gonna probably recommend at least looking at the type of fat, and that's another big thing. But cutting back on that fat intake.
0: So let's yeah, let's talk about the types of fat. Like, mm-hmm. which one should we try to get some for the flavor, but it's, but also not the type that is going to clog up our arteries and all of that. Yeah. So.
1: The big two are unsaturated and saturated fat, and the way that the easiest way to kind of think about those is liquid versus solid. So our unsaturated fats would be our oils: olive oil, canola oil, sunflower oil, um, any of those types of things. And then our our saturated fats would be our, you know, animal-based fats. So like the the marbling in a steak is mm. going to be saturated. The dairy, high fat dairy, is going to have a lot of saturated fat in it. Butter is going to be a saturated fat. And then there's the one that everyone will try and tell you is like healthy because it's from plants and whatever is coconut oil. Coconut oil is like 90% saturated. Mm. Um, and like, not, not research out there to say that it's actually better than choosing like an animal based saturated fat. Oh, I did not know that. It had that. this huge health hail. And it's that trend is, I think, died down. But I would say maybe five years ago, like, coconut oil was, like, the – you know, everyone was putting it in their coffee and, like, all the things. And I was like, it's just –
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's all in the labeling Mm -hmm. and in the marketing, the advertising, and what really – the FDA, the government will allow to be said can really um, influence you oh, yeah. to go down a route that you think is trust is the right route. But in fact, it's one that's making us all obese. Right, right. Or causing, like you said, I think when we look at the two types
1: of fat, why are, Why does it matter? So when we look at those saturated fats, those solid fats, they actually increase your LDL cholesterol, mm-hmm. which is the low-density lipoprotein. And when we remember L, low, we want it low. Versus the saturated f- fats help promote that HDL, that high-density lipo- pro- lipoprotein, I can't talk anymore. Um, and that's what we want higher. So when we think about LDL and HDL low and high, those are those are influenced by the types of fat we eat.
0: You know, it's funny. Whenever I try to remember LDL, I like never thought of it like that. Yeah, it's just it's a, low. <laughs> but you know what I think of it as? L for loser. You don't want the L. So that's how I remember. Okay, LDL, yeah, LDL, loser, 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 loser. We yeah. don't want LDL. Now, what about um, trans fats? Yeah, trans fats
1: an interesting one. And this has to do with like the molecule shape. We'll put some diagrams out of like the yes. molecule shape. But basically, when you think of Trans, it means it's on the opposite, like the molecule is shaped like like flipped. So like if you twisted it in the middle, it's, it's opposite versus a cis would be the same side. And so they can't, they stack up onto each other and they get all clogged up basically. And trans fat, this was another big fad from way back was when they figured out how to transify fat. So they were taking, and this was the margarine thing, mm. when they came out with margarine, they were like we can make this spreadable mm. butter substitute but it's from oil so it seems healthy but they were they were transifying the fat in it and basically it leads to all these problems and it's like the worst fat you can choose fortunately we finally did you know of course again this is all when we look back at, at health and nutrition and science it's a very like relatively young field and so you'll hear recommendations from you know 40 50 60 years ago and you're like god how could they have been re- recommending that and it's like they didn't know better they were doing yeah. what they thought was right um so once we figured out that trans fats really are very bad they lead to heart disease like they have a lot of bad implications in the body they actually pulled them from being added in our food system so hmm. I, they can be i think like there can be minimal amounts of naturally occurring trans fats but they can't add it's the um and I'll think of the word in a second, but the the fats, like it used to be in all the candy and everything. They can't... High fructose corn syrup? Not the high fructose corn syrup. That's sugar. Um, It's going to come to me in a second. I'm going to have to Google it. Um, Wow. But anyway, yeah, so they can't add it. So now you'll find, at least in the States, I don't know if other countries have the same structure, um, but they can't add it to foods anymore. But like... It's going to bug me until I find this.
0: Yeah, we um, we have a lot of international listeners, so we need to make sure we that do. we, we got to get this right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they, they did take that out of the
1: food. But where you can still find them naturally occurring is, like, in fast foods that reuse
0: their oil.
1: It can oh, cause
0: that's... that transification process. So quick question while you're Googling frantically over there. Um, do you like country crock? Like the butter spread? Yeah. I mean, it tastes good. I think it does too. I don't buy it. I did get like a spreadable butter the other day. I love it. Yeah. And and Aaron does all of our shopping. That's my husband. And he um, refuses to buy it. I'm like, just get me a tub of country crock. Is that bad? I should probably not be talking about it. But that's (laughs) like my one vice. It's It's really, really bizarre. But I love country crock on things. So anyway. Personally
1: hydrogenated oils. Oh, yeah. I knew it would come
0: to me. Oh, there we go. My gosh. Okay. Well, so let's talk a little bit more. You talked about um, the liquid versus the solid and uh, making sure we have a good balanced diet. So tell me, like, what would you say is the perfect? And I know how you think about keto. So like, what's the perfect balance of macros and how do we apply this? Like, give us some tips on how we can have like a great balance of fat, of saturated, unsaturated in our diets.
1: Yeah, I think that when it comes to like if we look at the overall macronutrient distribution, that's going to be very individualized based on what you're kind of currently going through. You know, if you're a bariatric patient who is fairly post-op, you're going to have a pretty high protein ratio Mm -hmm. of your macros versus your carbs and your fat, and your fat will probably even play a higher role at that point. Again, because we still have to get calories in. Calories are necessary to survive. Um, so fat may play a bigger role in that. And again, it also comes along with a lot of our protein foods, right? We get it in our our animal products. We get it in our cheeses and all of that. So it still is going to be in the diet. Um, I think the official recommendation is 20 to 30% of the diet should be from calories from fat. mm mm-hmm if I'm remembering way, 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 way back when I was in in school. Um, but again, I think it's really – to me, I always say that fat kind of comes on board with the other two macronutrients. So, like, if you plan out how much protein you're going to get, how much carb you're going to get, the fat is going to be there because it's found naturally in our foods. Mm-hmm. It's, again, it's found in our meats. It's found in um, even some of our plants. Like, think avocado. Oh, there's yes. fat in avocado. There's fat in coconut. Um there, there's going to be fat naturally occurring in those. And then we do cook with fat, of course. And that to me, that's where we can work on the limiting. So if normally you're using two tablespoons of oil in your pan, maybe try cutting back to one um, and see if you can do that or swapping out some for a um, – stock or something that's gonna be a lower fat option. Again, not deep frying, because that's where we can get that transification process and um high fat concentrations. If you're gonna do dairy, look for low or non fat versions when possible. I mean, real cheese tastes better. I'm not gonna say like don't get fat free cheese, it's gross. Yeah. But like low fat mozzarella sticks. Like if you're gonna have a cheese stick, those are those taste good
0: still. Oh, that's a great snack. Um and then you talking about deep fry. What was the most unusual thing you've ever heard be deep fried? So I worked at a camp and we
1: – <laughs> I knew and you I, have a story. I always do. Um, a friend and I had access to the deep fryer because we were doing like a teen kind of night. And okay. so we were helping out making like corn dogs or something. And so we deep fried just about everything we could find in that kitchen. So like we did a piece of bread. It didn't really work out. I made some like <laughs> – I like whipped up some like um, – Like batter, and we—I think we deep fried like a frozen cookie dough ball. Oh, I was actually—I feel like that was actually pretty good. That sounds pretty. But we were just like battering whatever we could find and deep frying it. I have heard of the deep fried butter at like the—is it the Minnesota State Fair? Oh, there's some big state fair that does deep fried butter, which. I love butter. I'm not even going to lie to you. Me too.
0: I love butter. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I, I don't even know why I'm doing that right now. But we're in this room and I feel so intimate. I forget that we have thousands of listeners out there that are going to hear this. But we had to go around the room and say like, all right, what's the weirdest thing you like to eat? And one guy said like, I could just sit there and eat Nutella. And then somebody else was like, I could just get a spoon and like spoon out like peanut butter. And I'm like, I love butter. Butter, especially like country crock, and then it was like it didn't like go well. Like, it, it, was like, it was like it didn't land at all. Like I'm like this is not good, and I felt like I just wanted to like instant like I like, like curled inside of myself. and like I want to instantly like turn back time and like change this whole thing. Mm-mm. There's
1: people whose job is professional butter taster, and I'm still trying to figure out how to get that job. Oh my gosh. And I will quit my current job if I find a better a butter tasting job available.
0: Oh my I don't gosh. think it's going
1: to happen. And I'm not actively looking. So oh my gosh. don't worry, I'm not quitting my
0: job. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> we, yeah. Wow. So so there's, we're going to have lots of, um, oh, and we also have on drxdietitian.com, we have episode guides now. So make sure you subscribe. It's like a blog and you can see the guides. We're going to have lots of like little ideas for you in terms of how to get great fat into your diet. But I love what you said. It's just, not, it's there. You don't have to try too yeah. hard. You don't have to like, go out of your way to right. add fat
1: and i'm not advocating for just eating straight butter we got off track here yeah, we we're, we're really done Sorry, We're really getting out of control at yeah. this point we're, um yeah
0: it's a little butter crazy over here i know and i uh, yes so now like we i talked a little bit about the keto diet and um we know how you feel about it tell me how it, what is the what is the fat thought in that diet like how does the fat play into it so on the keto diet,
1: basically you go into what's called ketosis. And so normally our bodies operate off of – they use carbohydrates as our main source of energy. And so when you go into these very low-carb diets, your body changes into this process called ketosis, and it burns fat for energy. And um, – Again, it can really cause weight loss because it has to do with the insulin levels and the blood mm-hmm. sugar levels and all of that can impact the weight. And, you know, again, there are people that out there that that love keto and do it really, you know, long term and they see great success with it. Um, not everybody does and a lot of people can't get past that or they get the, you know, the bad breath and the flu and that. And my concern with it is when we do look at having a, a diet that, that is that high in fat because it also is... Again, I'll always talk about the mainstream versus real keto. In the mainstream they do a higher percentage of protein as well. So it's just mostly low carb. Um it's Atkins rebranded but a little bit more extreme and you know the, so they'll do still a decent amount of protein and then this decent amount of fat, but the, I just want to see their lipid panels so bad. Mm-hmm. I want to see their cholesterol. I want to see like what what's happening. You know, if we could go in and look at their hearts like is there buildup and blockage? Because that's what's so scary. And do they poop without well, just having di- Like, I have, either imagine
0: they have diarrhea or they're constipated. Yeah. So <laughs> I pretty much follow this diet. So I can let you in on um, some of that. And I, um, so my lipid panel is bad. Yeah. It is bad. I know. I hope that my, my arteries are fine, but I don't know. I, I have a thing about um triglycerides. Mm-hmm. When I look at a lipid panel, it has total cholesterol, like we talked about, the LDL, the bad one, the loser one, the HDL, the good one, and then um, triglycerides on the plant mm-hmm. panel. And triglycerides go in a range of over 150, means you have hypertriglyceridemia. So you have high triglyceride levels. And that is the one that I think is most representative. This is my own anecdotal thoughts over looking at thousands of patients, um, pre-op and post-op labs. That's the lab that I think is most closely associated with diet. There's some hereditary factors. So mm-hmm. sometimes you might have congenital hypertriglyceridemia. So like even little kids might get it. They may even have issues with their pancreas because of it. Um, very, very, very rare um, to have that condition. But for the most part, I've seen some patients. I'm sorry, but typically men, where men are the ones who have I've seen triglyceride levels like again it's supposed to be less than 150, who are like five, six, seven, eight hundred, oh and mine is over 150. You I know I'm cut awful. back on the saturated fat. I can't. I can't stop. I know it's awful. I need to like I need to like get a full physical. I need yeah. to do. I need to go do that, and I, I'm embarrassed to admit that. I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a PSA for everybody. Like we all need to, like keep up with our preventative care. Like get your pap smears, ladies, and if you're over 45, get your colonoscopy, and if you're over 40, get your mammogram. So, anyway, that was just a, a quick little um, public service announcement there. But we gotta get more fiber in your diet. I know. We have, we have some situations over here. <laughs> I mean, use your imagination, my friends. So. With that being said, let's talk about the actual outward appearance of fat and how it could potentially also impact your insides. So there is a distribution of your fat, of your adipose tissue. And I think that's
1: important. Like that distinction, I think it's, we'll call it adipose tissue, so we're not confusing it with dietary fat. Yeah, so
0: we're not talking dietary fat. I'm switching gears, and I'm talking about the way you physically look and how your fat is distributed on you. So typically men have a more central distribution to their weight, meaning they have this weight that's – it looks like they have – um Kind of like a beer belly, I guess, it's for lot like of spare tire. The spare tires all around the central area. It's called visceral, which means like your insides, your guts adiposity. Now the thing is, um, and some women do too. So some women, if you think about this as you, your BMI might only be 35. You might weigh 190 pounds, but gosh, you got diabetes that's out of control. Your hemoglobin A1C with insulin is like eight or nine, you have the high cholesterol, the high triglycerides, like all of these metabolic associated chronic diseases with it. But overall, your weight's hot and low and you have these super skinny arms and super skinny legs and then everything is, is in the central. Now, when it's central, there's also two ways, places that it can be. It can be either in your, in your subcutaneous tissue, which is right underneath your skin, Or it can be on the inside, like your mesenteric fat, your omental fat, like the fat that like coats your guts, if you will. Like it's the stuff inside. And if I'm doing a surgery, and again, it's typically men, they just, they typically have this distribution and I get into their abdomen and their abdominal wall is like millimeters. I'm like, oh, this will be hard because that mm-hmm. means like it's really it's actually physically heavy for me to sometimes lift that momentum so I can get to the um, small intestine. So I, if I'm doing a gastric bypass, I can begin to make that jejuno and just really be able to like start to reconstruct their anatomy and all that sort of stuff. So it's um, and that's also the ones that, again, is associated with um you know, having heart disease and having those clogged arteries and all of yeah, that like kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, like the metabolic syndrome. That's one of the criteria is that waist circumference. And so sometimes you'll hear about, too, like when people are talking about, you know, we know that BMI is not a perfect measurement. It's the worst. Measurement, And weight even isn't always the perfect measurement. Um, but sometimes using that alongside of a waist circumference can really tell you more difference, more information about that. Because, you know, women naturally carry higher quantities of fat on yes. our, on our frames. It's, it's, we're supposed to, um, which is why whenever I see women with six packs and some, some can get there very naturally, a lot of times you, you need, you need more fat on your body. Yeah. Um, Cause like maintaining that six pack is like a very low fat percentage for a woman. Um, but, so we do, but you know, a lot of it is in the hips, in the thighs, um, even in the breasts, like yep. you're going to hold some fat and weight there. And so sometimes you'll see those women too, where you're like, their BMI may be on the high side, but they've got this itty bitty little waist. Oh my gosh, yes! And it's like, well, you're you're carrying the fat, and that's where we don't see as much of the health health risks and things like that. And I think too, you also see that it's a lot different in different um, ethnicities. Mm-hmm. You see that that adiposity distribution is
0: different across different. Exactly, and oh. and so that's a, a good thing for you ladies. Um, you know, when we talk about let's say our African-American or Latina population, they might have um, maybe uh, th- more thighs in, or in, the, in the, the buttock area. And you worry, like, I kind of like my silhouette. Like I have like larger breasts. I have the tiny kind of like uh, waist. And then it kind of goes out that nice silhouette there into the the hips and the butt and all of that good stuff. And people will be like, I don't want to lose that like that cultural or that that my my curves, you know? Mm-hmm. And like my man doesn't want it. I don't want it. My partner doesn't want it. I hear you, and I want you to know, like Hannah just said, that you're going to still keep that. I think it it just proportionately kind of goes down, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you from a technical standpoint, from an operating standpoint, sometimes um, your waists are so thin that I'm like, wow, I'm like, wow, they look you look tiny when you lay there, so. I do love a I, I do love a woman with with big breasts and, 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 and hips. Hip Does that sound break. weird? I just yeah. like I'm like, oh, you'd be an easy surgery like when I see them <laughs> out and about. I'm like, this is an amazing distribution to your weight. Yeah. And um and also if you had that central, that metabolic kind of condition chances are your liver is going to be very thick and very fatty as well. Mm-hmm. And we should do an episode coming up about just the different thoughts on um, fatty liver disease and the different levels of severity and the different how that can progress and how that can actually reverse and mm-hmm. how to to really just love your liver. Yes. So we need to definitely talk about all of that as well. Now, let's go back to the, all the great um, parts of fat and all of the things that it does. So tell us about... Um, you know why does fat exist what are the good things um why do we need it
1: yeah so again like i was talking about like with with women and and that low fat percentage some of the issue with that is fat helps with our hormone production and distribution so fat used to be thought of as this almost i don't want to say benign thing but they thought a lot of people just thought it was very inert it was kind of there but again as we do more research as we learn we're constantly learning things the role of fat in the body is so vital and and has so many functions. So, you know, it does things like it cushions around our organs. You know, mm. we we see women with our little bellies. Like, it's just protecting our little – our our internal organs. Like, that's why we have a little belly. Um, it helps us with our energy balance. We can use it as a store of energy too. So when we are – and again, that's why when we think about dieting or surgery or anything like that, we're going to – our body is going to turn to that fat store for energy. Um, when we're when we are in a low-calorie state. So it's going to help with that. It helps to regulate, like, that cholesterol, the LDL, the HDL, our insulin. It can help with that. Like, it helps insulate us. Um, again, it metabolizes, like, sex hormones. So there's a lot of different – it plays a lot of different roles, and it's not just inert. And I think that's also why it's important to kind of make that distinction between that central adiposity versus – you know that that more even distribution of weight.
0: And you know, often we think about fat as a as a as an organ, and it's mm-hmm. and, and it's a highly metabolic. And you talked about hormonal, and just in its role in as you lose it, and that shifts your hormones change, mm-hmm. and how that impacts you from from male and female like female um, your periods the regulation, the sex hormones, your sex drive, your um, your ability to get pregnant um, also when you are pregnant, how the body is this is one time is designed to hold on to your fat in a way that um, you know you have your set point normally when you're not pregnant and then when you get pregnant it's unbelievable how quickly, you start to gain weight and hold on to it, and it's just like, man, I'm not eating that different. Like you're not eating for two even per se at some points, and then you step on the scale every day, and at the end there, you gain like pound after pound, and it's like, ooh, yeah, it's all from that the fat. What, what do you think about that whole concept as fat as an organ?
1: I think I, I think that's really kind of an accurate way to describe it because again, it does have all of these like functions, and finding the right amount of it is. It's kind of interesting because it's probably really the only organ that we can adjust or change without doing, like, surgery. Mm. You know, I can't control the rate of my heart. I can't control the, you know, I, if, if I wanted to change my stomach, I would have to go for surgery, things like that. But I can change the amount of fat in my body Yeah, with, you know, diet, exercise, medication, surgery. And so it's probably the only one that – it's probably the one we have the most tightly – tight control of externally. Um, hmm. But I do think that it, it does. It does play all those roles and like any other organ would. I think, too, kind of thinking about like the gut and how much, again, that that research has changed on the gut and its role in other types of – um, systemic issues. You know, it's like now we look at people who have Alzheimer's, and we're going to look at their gut health. Or we look at people who are having skin problems. We're going to look at their gut health. So it is looking to it like, okay, I'm having this issue. Could it be related to my adipose tissue mm.
0: and seeing that mm.
1: systemic effect on the body?
0: Oh yeah, I you know I I really think that you know, even autoimmune conditions, I'm obsessed with thinking that it's the the shifts in the fat in this sort of as this big, huge organ, if you will, that's highly metabolically active and hormonally active is also an inflammatory, I feel mm-hmm. like, a type of condition. And I think that autoimmune conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, like psoriasis, I do think that the more weight you gain, I do think that those become a little bit more uncontrollable. And then sometimes you need steroids to try to help you to get back on track. Steroids cause you to gain more weight and more fat and more inflammation and more like, ah, what a vicious cycle. So there's there's a lot in weight and, you know, the the whole concept of like, why do I want to do this? Sometimes you need to have something like surgery to be able to just um, pull you out of the quicksand, pull you out of this vicious cycle where you just can't do it. And and like you said, maybe it's women, maybe it's men. There is um, there's some genetic component that you just can't help. Like mm-hmm. women hold on to fat more. And no matter like, gosh, I try everything. And you just have to do something like alter your gut, right. you know, to, right. to be able to to fix that, that sort of thing as well. And then there's also the external things. You could do liposuction. Mm-hmm. And then you could do um, tummy tucks, which might just be loose skin. But there's some fat right there under the sub-Q. You can pinch on your side right now and feel it and know it and all that kind of stuff. And But I would, we will talk about a plastic surgery procedures. We will have a plastic surgeon um, as our, probably one of our first guests on here. But I do just want to put out a thing there that if you're thinking about having body contouring in any capacity, the best thing to do is to have weight loss surgery first and then get to, um, you know, pretty reasonably within your goal weight. Seek a consultation. A lot of times they're free consultations and you'll be able to find out if you're a candidate for body contouring, what are your options. So, There's a lot to unpack Mm -hmm. there that we're going to need to go with. But um, before you try to get liposuction, if you do qualify for surgery, and especially if you have any other health issues, I would look into bariatric surgery before plastic surgery.
1: Well, yeah. And I do think when we look at, again, thinking of the metabolic side of things too, they're, I believe if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're going to pull that external, like safer fat. They can't go in and pull the fat that's Uh, out from under, in between your organs To get that out. So cosmetically, you know, maybe you look different, but from a physical health standpoint, are we really getting any of that fat loss benefit? It's just, you know, your kid's not going to draw you fat in the picture anymore.
0: Yeah. And I know, but you're right. It's it's all about that visceral adiposity mm-hmm. and helping with all of that. Losing the weight helps shrink the liver. All of the amazing benefits yeah. um, from that. So no, that's that's an awesome awesome point. And I'll tell you one thing: liposuction hurts way worse than laparoscopic surgery too. Yeah. So that's 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 a, a brutal recovery there. Yeah, I can't. I've seen the thing. That wand. Yeah. I've seen those um, reels and TikToks of these plastic surgeons like, just go into town. I'm like, yeah. woo! And then they try to put it in the butt, and then how you get that distributed nicely without it looking like cellulite globs. I've seen that mm-hmm.
1: too. Boy, I'm, I'm
0: so delightful. I want to talk about butts and sizes and the way She's it looks. It's all about butts today, guys. I know. Here I am again. I know. What is wrong with me? Butts are awesome. Seriously. So, what are your closing thoughts about the F word, fat here?
1: I think it is something to be. Considered when you're looking from a dietary sp- standpoint, you want to look at not seeing it as a bad thing, but really assessing what types of fat that you're having in your diets, trying to do more of the um, unsaturated, those oils, those liquid fats. Also, don't let anybody tell you that canola oil is inflammatory. Um, stop following those people and <laughs> send them my way so I can like duke it out. Yes. Um, but, you know, looking at How can you change that? How can you change maybe the quantity, you know, of kind of trimming back, trimming the fat, you know? (laughs) Um, But maybe don't dig into a tub of country clock like... Betsy would like to do. Oh my God,
0: I would. But no, don't yeah. do that. Don't but, do that.
1: You know, and then and then when you think about if you're somebody that's considering weight loss surgery, like thinking about that shape, do I have that central, that belly? You know, is my waist circumference maybe disproportionate to the rest of my body? And, and maybe that's why I'm having some of these issues. And what can I do? You know, is weight loss surgery potentially the right thing for me to help to reduce that central adip- central adiposity.
0: I can't even talk. Um, well, that might be because I'm taking pictures of yeah, you. She's I'm over sorry. here trying to be sneaky. <laughs> I'm trying to be um, sneaky. And, and She's like going off on her like soliloquy here.
1: And then of course, something I forgot to mention and I'll bring it up while now Betsy takes selfies um, <laughs> is that fat also plays a role in some of our vitamin absorption. So the vitamins A, D, E, and K require oh, yes. fat For absorption and utilization. And that's something else that can change. And I think why a lot of times we do see vitamin D deficiency in people with obesity is because it's stored in that fat. And so it's not able to um, be in the bloodstream. But also when you're thinking about eating foods that have those minerals in them, you want some fat with it. So trying to think of, you know, if you have that salad with a fat-free dressing, you're not going to be able to absorb that vitamin A that's in the salad. So put a little fat on your dress on your salad, like y- use it again. It's found naturally, and and don't be afraid of it.
0: That's the that's the thing. Don't be afraid of the F word. You can. You, it's a part of a balanced diet. It is okay. We're gonna destigmatize this yes. and. Um, We got a lot of work to do, so all is good. So, guys, make sure that you head over to our new website, DrXDietitian.com, and subscribe to get our episode guides. I'm sure our dietitian here, Hannah Schuyler-RD, she will be giving you lots of different um, tips and tricks on how to um, incorporate fat into your diet and some great recipe ideas as well. Yeah, and definitely follow us on Instagram at
1: DrXDietitian, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys.